So we're on a mountain journey um, through the book of Romans. <clears throat> and uh, as you know, that uh, um, Russ, I think, has taken us through the first couple. And uh, that's this little hill before the mountain. And uh, um, what we've actually covered so far, the, the, the hill, the first of all, climb up the hill, was the beginning where we got presented with the gospel. We were shown the gospel, the wonderful gospel, this wonderful news of, of what Jesus has done and, uh, and presented to us. And it's uh, really an exciting, uh, um, I mean, the gospel, the good news was uh, the reason they used the word uh, gospel is, is because it was a declaration that they used to do for an emperor when he had won a victory. And he would go ahead declaring the gospel. And uh, <coughs> we're told about the gospel of Jesus Christ declaring a victory for us. But he then, straight after doing that, you go into this little dip. And in the dip, you'll see the little rocks at the bottom there. And of course, we're shown in the next couple of chapters, we're actually taken over the fact that uh, um, everyone is basically lost. And uh, it's, it's, uh, so no matter who you are, you're lost. And, and what he does in that, and this is just sort of recap, but you need this recap, unfortunately, to go to the next part. Um, what he does in, in, the, in that valley, you, you realize that uh, if you don't know Jesus, you're lost. And you, you basically have no salvation coming, you know, there's no way you can be saved. But you want to know something that he was even more amazing? He then said that the Jews, now the Jews at that point, of course, they were the people that God had specially called. They were the people that, that God was using. He says, these people who came in, were they automatically saved? No, as a matter of fact, they were lost. Because they, even though they knew the gospel, they knew, well, they knew the, 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 of God, they weren't following him. They weren't obeying him. They were still away from God. And uh, so, so you have the, the people who in the world are lost, but even the people who theoretically know God are lost. And uh, it ends off by looking at the saying, well, actually, everyone is lost. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, without God, there's nothing that any of us can do to be saved. And uh, <clears throat> we, we're actually at a point where you sort of, you, you, it's, a, it's like you know, in a movie where you, you've got a cliffhanger. Well, that's the cliffhanger that Russ sort of left us on, you know, dot, dot, dot. What happens now? We're all lost. There's nothing we can do. And even, you know, and if you want to take it into modern terms, that's saying that if you're someone who's not going to a church or not part of a church, well, then you're obviously lost because you don't know Jesus. But let me tell you, if you're attending a church, you can be attending it. You can have parents who are part of it. You can be part of a church and everything. You can still be lost. Because, you know, you can still be far away from God. It's, it's, attending is not an indication of being saved. So that's, that's where we, you can now, most of you will know where we're heading now. Um, but uh, as you get with us, normally with us, with a coming attraction, you see a coming attraction coming on, what's going to happen uh, next week. And so you have dot, dot, dot. And we're going to show you, I'm going to show you, we're going to take a little part of the passage, which starts with the word, but. And I love that word, eh? We're lost. But then you know something different is about to happen. This is, this is now setting the scene for that. So I thought before we do that, I'll tell you a little story. <laughs> um, this is about me when I was about 12 years old. And I don't know, are there any 12-year-old boys here? No, they're probably all gone out there. Now, uh, if you're 12 years old, you think you're great. At that point in Zimbabwe, you're at the top of junior school. So you're the big man in the school. You haven't yet gone to senior school where you become... The little man again. <laughs> so so you, you are now the big man and you, you know what you're doing. So we went with my, my family. We had a couple of friends and my dad's family, uh, friends that went with us, they, they, were a whole lot of they had a whole lot of daughters, like three daughters ranging in age from, I was 12. So the youngest there I think was, uh, also was probably about 10 and went right down to about four or something. I, it was that sort of range. 
And uh, while well, we were there, we went to a place in the mountains in Zimbabwe, and there was this lovely route that you could do around it. They had a lake there, and we went on a little trek around the lake, and there was little arrows saying, go this way, go this way, go this way. And you went for a nice, lovely walk, got a view of the lake, and arrived back. You started at the hotel, you'd go around the lake, and you'd end up back at the hotel again. It was wonderful, following all these arrows. <clears throat> My parents then went to the bar and decided that they were going to sit there, and all of us kids were left on our own. <clears throat> Now, I'm a 12-year-old. This is, I, why follow the arrows? I mean, that is, I mean, that is just so, so ridiculous. I've got a better plan. And, uh, you know, they, they, we used to have these adverts in South Africa about, uh, you know, why they only give insurance to women. And they, they give you the stupid ideas that men come up with. Well, this was probably one of those ideas. I decided, let's follow the arrows backwards. Let's not start at the beginning. Let's start at the end. And wherever the arrow is pointing, we'll go the opposite direction. And of course, we'll then end up back at the beginning again. I obviously didn't think that all the way through. Because of course, if you come to a T-junction, the arrow's not going to be, the back part of the arrow is not pointing where you're going. It's actually pointing somewhere else. Anyway, so I followed this arrow. And of course, after the first arrow, I obviously was going the wrong way now. And all these girls are following me thinking, I know what I'm doing because I'm the oldest there in the group. And we all end off and we end up in the middle of the mountains and we're lost. So I decide, okay, let's go back. Well, let me tell you, when you're lost, which way is back? And we ended up going in a circle. So we were now totally lost. And, uh, and, and we had no way of getting home. And uh, the one little girl, the youngest girl said, no, Ken's not going to get us lost. Actually, she called me Kenny. So Kenny's not going to get us lost. And I'm thinking, hmm, we're lost. <laughs> so, anyway, and so, so in the end, we decided we started calling for help and all this and walking around. And we didn't have a clue what was going on. And I, I thought, this is it. We are now doomed. And with that, I look across the valley. There was a valley like this. And on the other side of the valley, there's my dad standing on a path. So we yell at him and he made his way. And he said, stay where you are. And he made his way down through it and ended up with us. And uh, when he got to us, it was like a but moment for me. Now we were okay. My dad has found us. We're okay. And uh, when he got to us, he said, okay, how do we get back? So <laughs> that was not a good side, but, but I didn't care. I was with my dad. And eventually we walked, we found the arrow, and we actually ended up back at the path. And it turned out the only person among all the adults who had worried about us had been my dad. He had thought something's happened. Maybe he knows me. <laughs> Ken has done something. So, so he goes out looking for me, and that's when he actually found us. And uh, let me tell you, we would, I've now seen, I was listening to some stories here about people who got lost in the, going up the mountains and that here. And the youngsters, they get lost. And then unfortunately, if they're not found, that, that could be the end. So that was a but moment for me. If it hadn't been for my dad coming in, we'd have been lost. And as you can see, that's, a, that's like us as Christians, isn't it? We're lost. And if it isn't for that but, but what is the but that actually makes a difference for us? And of course, that but is what Jesus has done for us. So today I want to look at the crux of salvation. Romans chapter 3 and chapter 4. Um, I'm only going to look at a few of the verses. But we're going to start with Romans chapter 3, and I'm just going to give you a quick summary on the first 20 verses, because we're going to go down to verse 21. But the first 20 verses, um, the first four verses, he starts talking about, because he's now spoken about the Jews and how they've been unfaithful. And he says, so what profit is there being a Jew? And he goes through a list of the reasons it is profitable. But he says, but even with this, they were unfaithful. And what are you in those verses? He starts contrasting. They were unfaithful, but God actually gave them those things because God is faithful. So you have us unfaithful, God faithful. In verse 5 and 6, we start looking at the fact that we start judging people falsely and, and all of that. But God 
is, an, is a righteous judge. He judges us righteously. Then he goes on to talk about the fact that uh, we're sinners, but God is holy. And you see all the way through, you see this contrast coming through. And he then, he then lists from, from about verse, I think it's about verse 8 on to about verse 20, he lists seven quotes from the Old Testament. Five of them are from the book of Psalms, one is from the book of Isaiah, and one from the book of Proverbs. And in all of them, it shows us that we are all sinners, <laughs> that we are all basically, uh, we, we, we need to be saved by grace. We, we cannot save ourselves. And, uh, and, and with that, of course, he's now laid us that position. So he's put this thing there, we, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in verse 21, notice how it starts. I don't know if you want to put that up. But, we now come to the but. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised by, in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus, in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who they are. I loved, I um, don't know who prayed it actually, uh, Val, it might have been you actually, with uh, saying that, you know, you are, we are, it's, every, it's for everyone to come. No matter who you are, we can come to Jesus. And, and that's beautiful, isn't it? And that'll be important as we go on. For everyone has sinned and will fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus, and he freed us from our penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice of sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what would be done, what we would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is a fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his, his sight when they believe in Jesus. So here we see that the only real way to accept, to, to be saved, is to be saved by Jesus. Um, if you go back to the picture now, sorry, if you've got that picture of uh, the, the mountain, you see there's a man coming down the mountain on, on that cliff, because we're now looking at the one, the word salvation <coughs> going up the side, and the man coming down. We're at the cliff face. We're at the bottom of that mountain and want to go up. Now, what did God do? God actually, and we actually sang about it. I loved some of the, the songs we were singing today. God, at Christ actually, because Christ is God, he came to earth and became one of us. He came down that mountain to where we are. We are trapped in those boulders at the bottom. We're stuck in that sin. We're stuck in, uh, in this, this place of uh, we can't be helped. God has come down to where we are and become one of us. But he hasn't become one of us in the fact that he is trapped in sin. He's still fully God and fully man. And he has then made a way for us. He has then created that rope ride that we can then go up the mountain to, to, uh, to, to be saved. But, but notice that he's actually got a way and he's come down to us but we still have to do something. Because what can happen, we can often look at this and think, well, that's wonderful. I actually, and I know people who do this, they'll say, I know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I know that he is the way to be saved, and there's the rope to be saved. Wonderful. And then they sit back and do nothing. Unfortunately, you have to accept, and I think it was Val again that was praying about the, accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. You have to, there has to be a step that you do. God makes, by the way, we never make the first step to God. He always makes the first step to us. I was actually reading recently that, you know, we often think when we pray, we think that we're praying and that is the first step that we're doing towards God, which it can be our first step. But you want to know that your prayer is always because God has made a first step towards you. Your prayer is always a response. 
Now, it can often feel like it's the first, but in actual fact, when you look back, you'll realize you were responding to what God is actually doing, what God has been putting in place. And God has actually come. He sent Jesus. He, is, he came. He lived this life on earth, but then he went to the cross. We've got a picture of the cross there. And then, of course, they always talk about the fact that you know, even, at, even in the manger, the cross was actually hanging over the manger. The fact that that's, he came so that he could die. And uh, he went to the cross, and on the cross, his body was broken, his blood was shed for us. He gave himself as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, for anything you've done. And it's not just for our sins, but for every broken part of your life, he took it onto himself on the cross. And he's offered us his whole life that he had on the cross, he's now offering back to us. But we have to accept it. We have to then come to a point where we go and we actually take hold of that, to go up the mountain. Sorry, we've been singing this last week and uh, my voice isn't doing what it should be doing. <laughs> so, so here we have, uh, um, we have to take hold of the rope. But you want to know something wonderful when we, when we take hold of the rope. Actually, let me just give you a, a scripture. Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus talking to the disciples, he says, if any of you wants to be my follower... You must give up your own way, take the cross, and follow me. <clears throat> Notice that there is a step right at the beginning there. We have to turn our back on our own way. We have to repent of our sins. We have to turn to Jesus to, to be saved. And, and then make a decision that he is going to be not just our Savior, but our Lord. That he's going to be the one that we're going to follow. And uh, Acts 2.38, Peter does the same thing. On the day of Pentecost, the day when the church was birthed, um, Peter stands up and then the people come to him and say, what should we do? And here was his answer in verse 38. Each of you must repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Notice we need to repent and turn back to Jesus. <clears throat> so, so once we've done that, what actually happens if you actually, I'm not going back to that picture. Sorry, uh, if we want to put the picture back up again. So that Jesus come down now, I'm, I'm taking this, this analogy further, and obviously no analogy is perfect in this, this thing. So you've got to realize there are shortcomings on it, but I'm, I'm just trying to utilize it as it is at the moment. Jesus has come down. He is going to attach that rope to us. So it's not like we're going to be saved, and what we've got to do now is hold on to the rope and hold on for dear life and hope like hang that we never let it go. It's actually attached to us. It's hooked on us. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever been climbing where you, you, you actually have ropes where you're attached to the person in front. Jesus is the person in front that we've got to be attached to. And you know, once you're attached to him, you're actually fairly safe. You can actually now climb and uh, do things, but you know, whatever happens, he's there. He's, he's, you're not going to fall too far with, with him being there. <coughs> so we need to, but we need to now be prepared to actually work with him on that. So th this, all of this here, by the way, <coughs> um, covers the first point I was doing. I don't know if I gave you the title of the first point. Faith. Salvation is a gift we receive by faith. So, so, um, so, so we, are, we are saved by faith. <clears throat> Sorry, it's the first one. That's the second one. Do you want to? Hopefully it's the first one. Okay. There we go. Faith. Salvation is a gift we receive by faith. So, so this is, this is and it's, it's not something you can work up. It's not something you can say, can I have enough faith? It's something you ask God for. 
It's a gift he gives us. It's something that, that we receive, but we have to receive it. It's like a present. You know, you can be given a present, but if you never open it, it's no good to you. But, but God has actually offered you something, but you have to receive it. You have to accept it. And once you've done that, that actually brings us to the second point, which if you want to put up the second one now, sorry, <laughs> is uh, I'm now looking at faith is faithfulness. Now, we often, unfortunately, because of where we are, we're, we're Christians, we separate faith from faithfulness. But you know, those words are very linked. Um, <clears throat> it's faithfulness means that we continue in faith, it means that we, we stay being faithful. And Romans chapter 3 then talks about the fact that we're saved with Christ. And, uh, um, but Romans chapter 4 gives us the example of Abraham and what he actually did. And uh, Abraham, if you look at Romans chapter 4, if we read verses 1 to 4, it says Abraham was, and because he's now giving an example of how we can use this, Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of the Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about. But that is not God's way. For the scripture tells us, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abraham, and at this time, Abraham was before Isaac was born, so it was before any of those promises had come about, and God actually says to Abraham, you will have a child. And at this point, he's 100 years old, or he's nearly 100 years old. His, his, uh, um, I forget how old uh, Sarah was, but, but she's also in 90, I think. <coughs> so they're too old for kids. She's stopped um, being able to have kids for a long time, so they're thinking, well, it's impossible. But it says that even though he looked and saw it was impossible, he believed God. And that belief, he did it, though, before any of the acts of the law had happened. So, so now sometime later, he actually, when, when, he, when Isaac was born, God actually gives them the, the, the covenant of circumcision. So they get circumcised. So at this point, he's doing it, and he's not even circumcised. But that's actually God's plan. When he did that, he wasn't even under the covenant that, that Moses was to have later, the covenant of circumcision or anything like that. He did that uncircumcised. Now, the reason that's important for us is because he did that, and that is an example for everyone. Whether Jew, Gentile, he becomes our father through what he actually did. The fact that he believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. We need to believe God and God can take away our sin and count it to us as righteousness. And uh, because of what Christ did on the cross. And uh, later on, he, you find that Abraham still went on and did things. As a matter of fact, I just want to read verses 20 to 22. It says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. But do you notice something there? Abraham didn't just have faith in, in chapter, um, <coughs> it was actually in Genesis 17, I think, where it happens. He has faith going on. Later on, when, he gets to, when Isaac is born and he has to sacrifice Isaac, he still does it. He steps out in faith. And uh, I think a lot of people, unfortunately, see Christianity as they make this decision once, and then that's it. So, so I get a picture. If you, sorry, you want to put that mountain back up again? <laughs> we are going to keep going back to this thing. So we get a picture of, of someone going up the mountain. It's like you've got the rope there, and it's attached to you, and you start thinking, I just have to just float, and I'm just going to be taken up to the clouds with God, and I don't have to do anything. But let me tell you, that's not what Abraham did. It says there that Abraham, actually, it says that if his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have, no, where were we? Um, he brought glory to God. His faith grew stronger, and he brought glory to God. 
his faith grew stronger. So he steps out in faith and he continues to step out in faith. And you know that you can step out in faith. Um, there's a, a picture I get on this is, is Jeanette. Uh, we went to, to um, Euro Disney in, in Paris, in France. And uh, Jeanette, for the first time in her life, got to go on a roller coaster. So <clears throat> she'd never been on a roller coaster before. And uh, this was a, a novel experience for her. So her and our son-in-law, who loves roller coasters, get on this roller coaster. And the one I remember, actually, it was, a, it was a, I forget what it was called. It was that, that metal, heavy metal band roller coaster. Aerosmith. It was an Aerosmith roller coaster. And uh, with this one, you stand there and the roller coaster's there. The people get on it and then there's whoosh and the roller coaster's gone. It's shot off so fast that you don't even see it go. It's just gone. And you sort of think, yeah, there's people sitting on that. <laughs> you know, it's, and anyway, and this roller coaster, of course, goes loop upside down and twirls and all this. Let me tell you what Jeanette was doing the first time she was on the roller coaster. Hands under the rails like this, holding on so that when it's upside down, she doesn't fall off because she's terrified that this is, she's got to hold on for dear life. After she's done it a couple of times, so you know what actually happens? You start doing this. And you start going upside down, going, whoa, look at me. And you, you're able to actually ride that roller coaster with a, without fear because you know you are secure. I want you to know that you as a Christian, are you secure in Jesus? If you're attached to Jesus, you're secure. That means you can step out in faith. That means you can step out and do things and not lose anything with Jesus. It's, it's, you're secure. What you're doing is not going to add anything to your salvation, but it's also not going to take anything away from your salvation. So if you step out in faith and fail, you're still attached to Jesus. And you're still going in his direction, just keeping your eyes on him and, and making sure you're attached. But it gives you an opportunity now to step out in faith. And I actually believe that's something that we as Christians need to learn to do more, is to step out in faith for Jesus, knowing that you're attached, knowing that you're secure with him. <clears throat> and, uh, and I thought just to... to to sort of uh, end off on this, um, this, this dip that we have here of sin. Now, obviously, everything I'm talking about now is to do with someone who doesn't know Jesus. <clears throat> and if you're someone who doesn't know Jesus, by the way, I want to encourage you. This is an opportunity I'm giving you right now for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're saying, I'm stuck in that, that valley, I'm stuck with all these bowls, I'm stuck with all this sin, and it's holding me back, know that Jesus has made a way and he is there for you. But you have to accept him as your Savior and Lord. You have to repent of what you've done and just turn to him in faith. And, and you can do that today. You don't, have to, you, know, it's not, not, you don't have to work up to it. It's not something you can work up to. Because let me tell you, there's nothing you can do. It is but God. So, so that's something you can do now. And if, if you want to come pray with us afterwards, I'll do a prayer at the end that we can actually pray together. But uh, if, if you're in that position, let's do that. But I know a lot of us are already Christians. So we're thinking, well, this is wonderful. This is only for us to apply to someone else. But something I've discovered, and I've, even over the last uh, few months, I've discovered this. Christians can end up in this, this little uh, slough of despond. You know, if you know Pilgrim's Progress, there's this, this, this valley of despair, this bog mire where you can be bogged down in the, in, the, in the little valley where you should be going up, but something's happened and you've actually ended up where you feel like you're either far from God or you feel like there's a lot of barriers between you and God. Maybe there's an overhang. Instead of the cliff going up, it's like you're, you're trapped behind an overhang. And you're sort of wondering, you're not going anywhere. Let me tell you, this is also an opportunity for you to look up. This is an opportunity for you to step out. Um, God is here for, for us in that situation as well. And I don't know what things are holding you back, but I was thinking of the different things that can hold you back. And uh, 
One, of course, is sin. We, we, we're free. The big thing that we're doing with, with when we bring people to Christ is we're telling them they're going to be free of sin. Now, what is sin? Sin is anything you're doing that is not right with God. It's actually causing harm to yourself, to others, or to your relationship with God. And anything that in those spheres is sin. So anything that's causing a problem in there is, is sin. So those things can hold us back. And so, and let me tell you, there are a lot of Christians have allowed themselves to get caught back into sin again. And, uh, and this is, God is saying that you don't have to be. We, we, he caused us to be free. Don't get caught up in that yoke of uh, bondage again. But there are other things that can hold us back as well. And uh, some of them is not sin that we've done. It can often be sin that is done to us. It can be where people have hurt us. It can be where people have uh, let us down. It can be where people, sometimes instead of looking to Jesus, you're looking at the guy on the rope just above you. And sometimes you can feel like you're attached to him and then he goes off astray. And that can be devastating to people. And yet that's because we shouldn't be attached to the guy ahead of us. We need to be attached to Jesus. The only guy who's not going to let you down is Jesus. Let me tell you, I will let you down. Russ will let you down. If you, if you attach yourself to us, that, that doesn't mean we're not working together, but if you attach yourself to us, we're human. You know, we're, we're not gonna, we are not Jesus. We're not going to carry you. But Jesus can carry you. And so you, both Russ and I want to point you to Jesus, point you to what he's actually doing, what he can do for you. So if there's someone maybe where you, you've been hurt before, because what can happen is when we're hurt, we, we can feel trapped there as well. And when you're trapped... It's like you feel no one else can understand where you are. It's like, you know, does anyone else know what I'm going through? And unfortunately, what can happen with sin and with being trapped in these things is uh, we, we, we start thinking that we've lost our identity. And uh, someone can come along and say, well, just accept where you are. And so we then accept our identity in sin. And there is a freedom in that. And uh, you hear me out before you shoot me down. When, uh, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, and the, and the serpent said to them, you will not die, but you'll have your eyes opened. They ate of the fruit, and what did it say? It said their eyes were opened. There was a freedom. They were suddenly, they, they understood something, but they didn't understand the right thing. They actually understood a lie. They believed. They actually went and hid from God and ended up having to try to cover themselves because of the sin where they were and what was actually happening. And sometimes, and, and, we, and I think we've had this, we, we've had it with a, um, a couple of friends, Someone who was, uh, you know, if they, if they suddenly have struggling with their sexuality, then they come out and tell, it, tell everyone. You know, announce, instead of being free of their sin, they're actually saying, this is me. And there's a freedom in that, because suddenly the freedom they have is, of course, well, I accept it, I, I'm now part of that, but they're not free. They're still bound by where they are. <clears throat> we had someone who was having a, a friend of ours who was actually having an affair with, another, with a non-Christian and then came to us and was saying, I love him. I want to marry him. And what she felt at the time of telling us this, that it was like she was free. And we were saying to her, well, no, you've actually got yourself in a worse pickle. Yeah? So you, you, you're now trapped in a relationship with someone that's not Christian. It's not what God wants. You're actually, you know, the, the whole thing is actually, you need to get free of that. And, uh, and, and getting free is not always the easy way. You've got to climb up a mountain. You've got to climb up the rope. And God, you've got to allow Jesus to pull you up. But you've got to do some climbing as well. You've got to step out in faith in that. But let me tell you, there's nothing that you're trapped in that God can't get you out of. Because what can happen in all these situations is you can feel trapped. You can feel like, you know, you, you, know, you might feel that you're free for a brief while. But let me tell you, you're not free. You're trapped in that thing. But God can get you free. God has the power. 
And so I just want to encourage all of us, if you're in that, that, that place right now, we, we, this is the opportunity for you to look up. Because notice that Jesus is the one climbing up the mountain there. Jesus is the one that is on the rope. Jesus is the one that we can actually turn to. Let's actually keep our eye on him <clears throat> so that he can pull us up. And let's turn to him. We might not be able to help you, but he can. He is the creator. <clears throat> so in conclusion, where are you? So, I, you know, I've realized that uh, this, this slough of despair is something that, that Jeanette and I have even been into. And, and, and you sort of, it feels like the whole world is coming in on you. And all we've had to do is to get to a point where we look up. The, so we're reading the Psalms at the moment. <clears throat> and uh, the Psalms we're going through right now are all Psalms of praise. <clears throat> and someone made a comment a little while ago. It's interesting. You know, if you want something, we go to God and we say, uh, you know, if you want something, you pray definitely for God, isn't it? You, you're, you're detailed in what you're actually after. You can give all the, everything that you want. And, and you, you, you're, you're very concerned about the fact, will he accept what you're asking? Because it's, it's something that you need. <clears throat> How many of us, though, say to God, please accept my praise. Please accept my thanks. Are you worried about the fact that you're not praising him the way you should or you're not thanking him the way you should? And it's not something we're concerned about. But in actual fact, if you read the Bible, a lot of the guys there were concerned. They actually wanted to make sure they brought the right offering. They wanted to make sure they, they, they worship God and lifted them up. And I actually think a way out of a lot of this is actually turning to God in praise and thanks and he can actually help you up. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a part of spiritual warfare, if you want, where you actually can break the bonds. Because a lot of the, the times when you're in this place, you're very focused on yourself. <clears throat> and if you can get yourself to focus on God, God can actually do something with you. So today, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, um, I'm asking you to call on him as Lord and Savior. And I'll just pray, do a prayer with us now, asking where we can do that. And I would encourage you to come forward and speak to Russ and Bibi or to Jeanette and myself or to any of the other leaders here, actually. <clears throat> But maybe you are someone like in Pilgrim's Progress where you're in, trapped in the slough of despond or there. Do you know this is an opportunity for you to be free as well? And you know that God also says that if we find people who are sick or people who are <clears throat> in those things, pray for each other. And so, so this is an opportunity for you to call on people to pray with you as well, to be free. But know that Jesus is there for you. He is the way, the truth, and the life. If you accept him in faith today and decide to live faithfully with him, your future is secure. And uh, it doesn't mean it'll be easy, by the way. I say secure. I didn't say easy. Just, just uh, you, you don't read the same word into it. It's often, often not the easy way with God. He, his is the straight and narrow way. But it's secure and it's safe. And know that everything he does, he does because he loves you. Everything he allows is because he loves you. So let us pray for those that uh, are accepting Jesus and, and for those that maybe want to be set free. So let, let us pray right now. Father, Father, I just want to thank you that Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. I want to thank you that, uh, that when we were trapped in sin, that you actually came to where we are <clears throat> and that you showed us a way out. Thank you for your death on the cross, for that perfect sacrifice that you did for us, for your body that was broken for us, for your blood that was shed for us, for the fact that in you, my sins can be all forgiven. In you, my, my, everything that's broken can be healed, that I can be complete and healed and, and whole in you, Lord. And we just give you the praise. And, and I just... Uh, for those that, that have never accepted Jesus, if you, if you want to pray, Father, I repent now of my past sins. I turn my back on them and I look to you as the Savior and Lord of my life. I accept you, what you have done for me and, uh, and ask that, that, uh, that you come into my life and Holy Spirit, that you just fill me, that I can follow you. And thank you, Jesus, 
that I know that having prayed that, that I am now assured of my future with you. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.